Welcome everybody to the Grueling Truth Sports Network. I am your host, Mike Goodbastard. Today we're going to look at the movie We Are Marshall and the Marshall plane crash, November 14th, 1970. We're going to look at the movie and see what was true and what was not. We're going to do a little recap on what happened, if you don't know, because this was 53 years ago now. And probably, if not the greatest sports tragedy in this country's history, it's right up there. The movie was critically acclaimed. Everybody loved the movie. But as we know, Disney has a tendency to stretch the truth on things that happened. So let's go ahead. Let's get started. We're going to start at actually what happened for those who may be younger, don't really know what happened. But on November 14th, 1970, a charter jet carrying most of the Marshall University football team clipped a strand of trees and crashed into a hillside just two miles from the Tri-State Arena in Canova, West Virginia, killing everybody on board. The team was returning from that day's game, a tough 17-14 loss to the East Carolina Pirates, and 37 Marshall football players were aboard the plane. Along with the team's coach, its doctors, the university athletic director, and 25 team boosters, which were mostly some of Huntington's most prominent citizens, who had traveled to North Carolina to support the team in the game. As one citizen wrote in one of the newspaper reports I wrote or read, the whole fabric, the whole heart of the town was aboard this plane. It's hard to live in Huntington, which is not a huge city. And back in 1970, it's hard to live there without knowing at least one person that was on that plane that passed. Now, the crash was just the most tragic in a string of unfortunate events that had befallen the Marshall Thundering Herd football team since about 1958, 59, maybe 1960. The University of Stadium, which hadn't been renovated since World War II, was actually condemned in 1962. And from the last game of the 1966 season to midway through the 1969 season, the team didn't win any games. Now, making matters worse, the NCAA had suspended Marshall for more than 100 recruiting violations. The MAC conference actually expelled the team for the same reason. Marshall seemed to be getting on track heading into 1970. It had fired the dishonest coaches. It built a new AstroTurf field and started winning games again. The Thundering Herd lost a squeaker to East Carolina on the 14th and was looking forward to what looked like a promising season the next season. Now, for Huntington, the plane crash was probably like the Kennedy assassination. You know, one of those things where everybody knows where they were and what they were doing when they heard that news. And the town immediately went into mourning. Shops, government offices closed. Businesses on the town's main street draped their windows in black bunting. The university held a memorial service in the stadium the next day and canceled Monday's classes. There were so many funerals that they had to be spread out over several weeks and perhaps the saddest ceremony of all. There were six players whose remains could not be identified were buried together in Spring Hill Cemetery on a hill overlooking their university. Now, Marshall got a new football coach, Jacqueline Gale, from the College of Worcester. He set about rebuilding the program. They actually won their first home game the year after the crash by beating the Xavier Musketeers. Xavier no longer has a football program. But they did have a decent tradition, guys like Sid Gilman, players like Danny Abramowitz, who went on to start for the Saints. So that is a capsule of what happened. Okay, And then a little over a decade, we had Disney come along and make a movie called We Are Marshall. 
And to me, I think the truth would have been better than what we got out of it. Now, the film version of the story of the tragic Marshall crash explores issues in only the most elementary way. It was overwrought with dialogue that rarely seemed believable. People don't talk to each other in We Are Marshall. They make inspirational speeches. People don't walk. They stride forcefully. And people don't make phone calls to handle important business. They drive 200 miles and show up unannounced, soaking wet because they forgot to bring an umbrella in a rainstorm. Not very believable. The story of the Marshall football team's plane crash is one of the most tragic stories, as I said, in sports history. And over a decade later, I can't help but think that the filmmakers missed a huge chance here for this film to leave a more lasting impression than what they did. Now, I must, I, I've got to admit, I knew about the Marshall plane crash. I was only like two when it happened. But the first time I saw the movie, I mean, it will bring tears to your eyes. But looking back at it, and then since then, I've had the chance, I interviewed like Jim McNally, former offensive line coach in the NFL for the Bengals and the Giants, one of the greatest offensive line coaches of all time. But I interviewed him on one of these podcasts back in 2015. And I know he was an assistant with Marshall after the plane crash. And I asked him what was true in the movie. And he said, for the better part, the plane crash, that happened. He said the rest of it was kind of contrived and made up. And I think that's a shame when you have to do something, especially in a movie like this, about a subject matter like this. Now, the one good thing about this movie is a lot more people know about it than what would have if the movie wasn't made. You know, because you had like the Wichita State football plane crash in the early 1970s, I believe it was, which killed their entire team. You never hear about that. You had the tragic, I think it was December 1977, Evansville University Aces, whose plane crashed, killing the whole team. You don't really hear a lot about that either. So at least I will give the filmmakers this. They did shed light on what happened at Marshall, and I think that's a great thing. But I think this movie could have been better. And, and I know this was a huge tragedy about real people and real emotions. And I know people signed off on this movie, but those people signed off on this movie because people today are willing to believe whatever they see. That's why, I mean, I wrote an article six or seven years ago for The Grueling Truth about what happened and about the falsities, basically the made up stuff that was in We Are Marshall. So let's go ahead and let's look at what was true and what was made up. Now, I think the biggest character in this movie, of course, was Matthew McConaughey. You got to give him credit for trying, but he was supposed to be Jack Langell, the head coach after the plane crash. But his overly exuberant and slightly flaky character is completely unbelievable as a head football coach. Jack Langell wasn't at all like he was portrayed. I've watched numerous interviews with this guy on YouTube. He was a low-key man in his approach to everything. He had a deep voice. He seldom ever raised that voice. But when he did, you knew it was time to listen and pay attention. Now, he was the perfect guy for the job because he had a knack for connecting with people almost immediately. The characterization of Lingell is so off base, it really doesn't even belong in this movie. And I understand that movies go over the top on dr dr dramatizations. But this one was so far from the truth, it shouldn't even have been allowed. 
Now, what about that dramatic scene? The plane crash. You know, stuff like that. I mean, let's go ahead and look through these. Okay, because I remember one of the most dramatic scenes in the movie happened when a player, Nate Ruffin, interrupts a meeting that makes President Donald Dedman look out a window to the thousand Marshall students showing their support for the football team. Did this really happen? No. And it's so far from reality that it shouldn't even have made the script either. The Marshall players had worked behind the scenes. The surviving Marshall players had worked behind the scenes shortly after the crash to make sure that the football team was never in jeopardy of not returning. So no, it was nowhere near the truth. The Marshall football program was never truly in jeopardy from anything that I've read in any newspaper reports. Now, the other question is how did people discover the plane crash victims? And how did they discover that the plane crash victims were the football team? It sure wasn't the way the movie showed it. The plane was down for around 30 minutes before the media was even notified. Jack Harden, who was a veteran newspaper reporter, actually found a wallet that belonged to one of the players, and that's how the passengers on the plane were initially identified. Now, did Coach Langell actually say the funeral's in today? From everything I found, it wasn't said exactly that way as it was in the movie, but it was probably about 80 or 90% accurate here. Coach Langell actually took all his Marshall players to Spring Hill Cemetery every year before the first game to explain to them exactly what happened. And to this day, November 14th is always a day where the entire community of Huntington and the Marshall family honors this team the way they should, because they never should be forgotten. Now, did the crowd really chant, we are Marshall? From everything I found, no. I mean, from everything I found, the we are Marshall chanted started in the early 80s. Now, was the Red Dawson character true? And yes, Dawson was a tragic figure because he looked at the young man he coached as sons, and the loss of these players took a huge personal toll, which led him to no longer coach football. One of my biggest problems with this movie while researching it was the fact that Red Dawson did not give up his seat on the plane. That was simply a lie. It was not true. Actually, the truth would be that the person who gave up the seat to assistant Deke Brackett was a graduate assistant named Gail Parker. Brackett and Dawson hadn't even flown to Greenville, North Carolina with the team for the game. They had been on a recruiting trip in Virginia late that week and drove themselves to the game in Greenville. But they were going to drive back to Huntington until Brackett asked Parker, who'd flown to the game, to give up his seat going home. Dawson was, was going to drive home all along. There's no reason to embellish things like these. I mean, I, I know it's one thing to stretch the truth a little bit, but to actually change the narrative and everything that happened on the story, to me, is just crazy. Now, did West Virginia and Bobby Bowden really wear the green crosses on their helmets in tribute to Marshall? Yes, that is actually true. The West Virginia Mountaineers really did it. And it's also true that Bowden and his staff did help the Marshall coaches while installing the Veer offense. And this says a lot for Bobby Bowden. I know at Florida State, there was a lot of dirty stuff probably going on when Bobby Bowden was there. But Bobby Bowden, to me, a man of character to step up to do this when he didn't have to. And let's face it, West Virginia and Marshall are hated rivals with each other. And for Bobby Bowden to go out of his way to honor the Marshall team 
and to help them install his offense, I think you can't say much more about a man than you could say for Bobby Bowden for that. Now, was Marshall's team really without the help of an athletic director? No. Before Jack Langell was hired to be the head coach, Joe McMullen was appointed as a new AD in February of 1971. Add to that that McMullen already knew Langell, and by now you should realize the way Langell got the job was not as it was portrayed. Actually, a Georgia Tech assistant coach, Dick Bestwick, was hired before Lingell, but he left just a couple days after he got the job, and Lingell became the new head coach. Did all of these characters really exist? And this is what upsets me. I mean, even the movie Rudy. If you watch the movie Rudy, the African-American man that's the janitor that lets Rudy in and everything, and helps, that wasn't true. I mean, hell, Rudy's brother didn't exist. And in this movie, you've got the same thing. Two of the people were completely made up. The first was Paul Griffin, played by Ian McShane, who worked in the steel mill and had a son on the 1970 football team who died in the crash. Made up character. The other was Annie Cantrell, played by Kate Mara. She was a cheerleader and engaged, supposedly, to Griffin's son. I know these are what Hollywood calls composite characters. But I myself was very disappointed to find out these two never even existed because the story was so gripping. And I know you can say, well, the story was so gripping. That's why it was put in. But I guarantee you this. There were much more compelling, much more gripping stories of, you know, fathers losing sons, mothers losing their son, you know, losing your brother, losing your sister, whoever it may be. You could have told that same compelling story was something that really happened. Now, was Nate Ruffin really buried in Spring Hill with these six unidentified players? Yes, that did happen. Ruffin died in 2001. He requested it to be buried with his teammates. And in 2001, as I said, he passed away at the age of 51, and he was buried with his teammates. Now, my conclusion on all this is the Marshall plane crash was a tragic event of epic proportions in American sports history, in, in American history. And I think the movie could have been so much more than what it was. Let's face it, Robin Williams could have done the portrayal of head coach Jack Langell better than Matthew McConaughey did. Hell, let's face it, the way Langell was portrayed was how you would portray a head football coach in an Adam Sandler movie. This was an entertaining movie, and it was a heart-wrenching movie, unless you know the truth. I just feel that this movie could have been so much more and could have honored the Marshall football team in 1970 so much more. Let's face it, the resilience of Jacqueline Gale coaching this football team led to 20 years later, a Marshall football team that won multiple Division I AA national championships. They were the winningest college football team in the 1990s. Would you go back and you compare that to what happened you know, just 20 years before, that is absolutely astounding. And the fact that it kind of gets glossed over is amazing to me. I mean, we are Marshall. As far as I know, the chance started in the early 80s. If there's any Marshall fans out there watching this that can add anything else to this, or if I'm wrong on anything, just put a message in the comments on YouTube or wherever you're watching this at 
and let me know because I want to know as much as I can about this. And I, I've done a show about Evansville's Purple Ace basketball team, which you can find also on YouTube or Facebook. I'm probably going to dive back into that a little bit deeper. And then I hope to do something on the Wichita State team. And I hope you guys enjoyed this content. If you did, make sure you like, subscribe, hit the bell notification, let your friends know about it. Please share it on your pages that you have social media wise. Make sure you follow me at Grueling Truth. But guys, once again, one of the worst tragedies in the history of America. I mean, an entire college football team and support staff perishes in the middle of the night, November the 14th, 1970. I think it's great that the movie was made to shed light on it. I just wish they wouldn't have taken so much liberties with it. I think that that is slightly disrespectful to the people of Huntington, West Virginia, and the people that attend Marshall University. All right, guys. Remember, follow me at Grilling Truth. If you want to bet on any sports, make sure you hit up BetMGM. Link the descriptions in the video. But for now, I'm Mike Goodpaster. You've been watching and listening to the Grueling Truth, where the legends speak.